My name is Sean Thomas, and I'm the author of Be More Today, a 40-day guide to a better version of you. As doctor of physical therapy, I've seen thousands of people do great things. They came to me with ailments, physical ailments, pain, issues, and they got through them, all because they decided in their mind they were going to do it. So I wrote a book about it. Your thoughts can make you great, or they can make you crumble. Those thoughts actually control everything in your life. I have three things I want you to do. Starts. Things I want you to start doing in your life that you said you wanted to do at some point in time. You said them. Stops. Things I want you to stop doing in your life, which I know you also want to stop. And three goals for your lives. And I take you through a 40-day guide to make sure you take those thoughts for those three things into reality. Now, I put some workouts in there too. Workouts to keep you always on the move because you got to keep moving. you got to stay focused. So, 40 days. Thoughts, workouts, you. And all I want you to do is trust the process and just be persistent. Visit BeMoreTodayBook.com. That's right, BeMoreTodayBook.com. And I guarantee you, if you just trust the process and be persistent, you too can be the best version of you. What's going on, folks? Your boy again, Dr. Sean Thomas here, back in the building. Be more today's show, episode number 95. 95 episodes of Be More Today's show. We are here. We are moving. As always, folks, thank you so much for your love and your support. It does not go unnoticed. It's been, again, a labor of love, but so exciting seeing the progression of the show. In the last two years, we're on season three right now, and we have already hit 56 countries. 18,000 plus downloads. It's all thanks to your love and support. And you also wanting to be more today. So I appreciate you. I salute you wherever you are across the country. And as you all know, Be More Today is a movement. So we're everywhere. BeMoreToday.com has my book. Um, it's on Amazon as well, as well as the podcast. Now, Swag Store is open. So get your Swag gear for Be More Today as always. And if you want to follow us, uh, we're still on Strava. We're still on YouTube. Go to our sites and be a part of the movement. BeMoreStudy.com, subscribe to our pages and be a part of what we're doing every single week. You will not regret it. My quote for today is simple as always. And it's an African proverb that says, to stumble is not to fail, but to move forward faster. To move forward faster. We are now in the month of May and it's springtime. So everything is coming up. Uh, the trees are out. The the, the, the flowers are blooming, the sun is out earlier, and it's a great time for us to get back moving. But I think that sometimes as we get into this uh, new season, right, the spring season, uh, some of us are still kind of stuck in the winter, right? We're still kind of stuck in our old habits. And as we all talk about, you know, summer, we're going to have guns out and abs out, whatever else, people have not prepared for that. Uh, and it's coming to a time for us to really start recognizing that, you know, it's May of 2022. The things that we said we want to do this year, we have to get going on those things. And the only way to really push towards those goals is sometimes to stumble. It doesn't mean that you're failing. It doesn't mean that you're messing up or that you're you're not doing what you have to do. It means that you're going to find more creative ways, more productive ways to move forward and to move forward faster. And, you know, I have the opportunity and the pleasure of working with some of the best um, and most enjoyable running athletes in Brooklyn. And this probably reminds me a lot of what we do for our running club, Spartan Center Running Club. So for today, I want to bring my boy uh, on the show, talk about some of the running questions 
that we've gotten from a number of people. You've seen him on many shows from your say show. He is a regular guest on this podcast. So for those who don't know, my boy Ishmael Torres is on the show right now. He's one of the coaches for Spartan Sunday Running Club. Uh, he's also an IT tech guy and does so many things for New York City on a regular basis. I want to, you guys to welcome him back to the show for now the third time. My boy, uh, the Puerto Rican poppy, uh, Wayposs Finest and BK's Finest, my boy, Ishmael Torres. Ishmael, what is going on? I made it. Either I'm the fill-in or he got nobody else left, but I'm here. And three times, that means I'm a little special, tiny, tiny. People from our chat know what this is about. Um, a little special. Um, and I'm just glad to be on. You know, you know, I'm always here. I am the general hype man for Be More Today. Everything that goes on in the backgrounds that you don't see. Uh, I'm just here to push this guy forward as far as I can. Not off the cliff, but just to get him to look down and, and, and take that leap whenever I just hold the shirt in the back just to make sure he don't fall. <laughs> Appreciate you, Brody. Appreciate you so much. And, uh, you know, a lot of runners that you and I have been working with for the last couple of years now have a lot of questions. And um, I decided it'd be a great time for us to use this show to really address the questions that runners are putting out there. And springtime, like I said in the quote, is a time for us to go out there and to move forward. And some people get really um, nervous. They get very, very agitated. They get very, very anxious when they see people running these races right? You talked about all the ways that that already happened this year, uh, whether you're talking about New York or outside of New York, right? You're talking about Paris Marathon and NYC Half and big ways that have already gone by throughout the year. And people want to get into these things. They're, they're inspired now, but they don't know where to start. So right. I figured I'd bring you on the show to have a conversation with me about some of the top 10 questions that you and I have encountered from not just our runners, but runners in general about where to start, how to get into it, what to do, what to wear, because this running thing can be sometimes daunting. And it's almost like a special club that sometimes people think that we're a part of. But in actuality, we've been running since we were kids, you know, since you were five, 10 years old, whatever, even three, four years old, we've been running. So it's not a new thing, but there are some techniques and things to know to make sure you can go out there and run smart and run well so that's why i brought you on the show today to talk about those things ish and i'm excited to hear you know as you have and i have together started this running club spartan and running club um we have a number of runners who are of all levels and mm -hmm. people i'm sure always ask you ish i see you guys doing things and i love it where do i start what do you tell your runners um when they come to you or your soon-to-be runners when they say look i want to be a part of the running club where do I start first? What's the first thing or some of the first things you share with them about where they can kind of get into this thing? So, so the first thing we tell um, prospective runners or just let me start by saying Spartan Sundays welcomes everyone. You can walk, you can crawl. We don't care. Um, the, the, the key to Spartan Sundays is conquering your obstacles. And that could mean just getting outside and running a lap around the track. It could mean getting to a 5K, it could be 10K, half, and eventually, if you're up for it, a full marathon. But there's no shame if you don't get there. We just want you to start being consistent in changing your habits. Um, you know, if, if you look at that thing behind me, it's a, it's a, it's a Tour de France quote, and it says, uh, take the risk or lose the chance, right? Um, and that has to do with uh, someone who could have won the Tour de France, 
Um, but he didn't because he did not take the chance and he lost the chance. Um, and running is kind of like that winding mountain. You know, you're, you're, you may stumble uh, to go by your quote earlier. You may stumble, but you have to fail to get there. You know, and, and that's one of the things we like. So as far as Sunday Run Club, we're here to support you. We're here to get you through all the um, steps and ups and downs and left and rights that will get you across that finish line. So that's the first thing. But, um, you know, people come to us and they say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, someone for exercise or running. And uh, where do I start? I mean, the first thing, you know, of course, we say hi. Um, and we tell us about our, we, we tell about ourselves, but the main difference is what do you want to accomplish? You know, what, what, what steps or give us the, give us the far reaching goal and give us the quick goal. And, um, you know, we kind of take you from there. Um, that could kind of delve into a whole bunch of things. What, what are my paces? What do I decide to do? Um, I see all of you guys doing these marathons. How could I get in? Um, being an IT guy, one of my major things is I get to peruse all the sites so I could kind of see when registration starts and when, when, uh, um, um, when lotteries begin, uh, trying to give all my runners an opportunity to get into a race. And uh, we'll talk about that further, definitely. But, you know, we're here for open arms. We're here to provide a community in which you can, um, you know, at least get the motivation and support from people to keep you on your journey. And through that, um, you'll start taking those chances to, to quote my thing in the background to um, sign up for some races. And we'll go through those things as we, we go through the chat. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing from you and I agree with that is that there is a sense of community already in place. And I think a lot of people have done running things on their own, but being a part of a community does make things easier. It does make things a little more accountable when you want to go out there and say, I don't want to run, I don't want to train, but you know that there are people out there who are also training with you for a race you may have signed up for and accountability. Like you said, you know, when you sign up for these things, it does change the game in terms of, well, now I committed to it. And most people, most people, not all, most people, when they sign up for something and pay for it, they do feel some kind of attachment to that thing to get that thing done. So I think those mm -hmm. are great places to start, basically, to, to get into a, a sense of saying, let me begin here. And with that beginning comes more questions like, okay, well, I want to start running. Great. So I see people wearing all these different shoes, right? I mean, you think about the marathon runners and their crazy, fancy, colorful shoes. And there's so many shoes if I go into a store for a novice runner, it can be sometimes be very, very daunting and overwhelming. What is something that you share with runners when they say, look, what shoes am I supposed or sneakers should I be wearing for these races? So, um, shoes, this is a lengthy subject. I'm going to try to kind of bring it down a little bit, but shoes, the first thing, Hey, I see you guys all wearing these shoes. What do we do? The first thing we always recommend is, Get a fitting at a reputable run shop, not um, as much as we love places like the big box stores. Uh, I won't name names, but you know who we talk about. But they always support the small businesses. There are a bunch of running stores that actually put you on a treadmill. And uh, a lot of running stores not only put you on a treadmill, but they're filming your feet 
while you're on that treadmill. And don't be ashamed. Don't go in there and run like the pose, the super nice Usain Bolt try to pose while you're on the treadmill. Be real. Um, that's, that's what they want. They want to see how your foot strikes and um, they want to see exactly how your body reacts when you run so that they can choose the proper shoe for you. Um, I, I want to um, also warn everybody, uh, the colors may not be what you're used to. So, you know, you go in there and you're expecting black and white and gray. That is nowhere near the case. If I showed you some of the shoes I have, you'd be like, what? But embrace the color. That's all I'm going to say. Embrace the color because, um, you know, with all the clothing we wear, we tend to kind of like bring it down to very plain clothing. And actually your shoes are the color of your shoes are the representation of you. Are you wild? Are you stated? Are you kind of just low key? Or are you just going to be out there with whatever color you want? That's your, that's your time to, to, to go out. So, you know, there are different types of shoes. There are what are called long run shoes or cushion shoes. There are neutral shoes. Um, there are supportive shoes, which some people call them guide shoes um, or guiding shoes. Um, and uh, they basically handle different types of foot strikes. Um, I'm, I'm going to defer to that guy to tell you what type of foot strikes there are. Um, but a reputable running shop will be the first place to get that shoe and be taught properly um, the shoe you wear. You may need insoles, you know, um, to help you out. Uh, you may need a specific pair of socks, you know, to help you out. Some people, we have runners that need compression socks. Um, and, and we have runners that are figuring out they're needing compression socks. But, you know, once, the, once you kind of get dialed in is what we call it, that's what you stick with. Uh, don't veer away. You know, you have your tried and true and uh, you use that to train. If you like them so much, buy the same one in a different color, you know, or uh, what's called shoe rotations. Um, we'll get to that at a later date. But shoe rotations, if you're really training, you'll probably need shoes for different purposes. But for um, uh, a lot of my turtle group, shout out to my turtles, they kind of use the same shoe. They buy the next version or they buy the previous version on sale and they kind of stick on track. Yeah, basically, if you find something you like, you run it. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you with all the different shoe types. And, you know, it, it comes to my realm of, as a physical therapist that, you know, people come to me usually with foot pain. And I always ask them what shoes they're wearing and I always look at the treads. So if you flip a shoe over, you can always see how someone's walking or how they're running, if they're a pronator or a supinator, if they have a neutral shoe, what have you. Because each of us has a different way that we walk. And that walking turns to running when you do it faster, clearly. So the amount of impact that you would see um, can be traced with the tread that you have on your shoe. And there are a variety of shoes that people can wear for a variety of things. Inserts are a lifesaver especially you're talking about foot pain and knee pain and back pain that can completely change your, your gait pattern while you're running. So that if you have pain in a certain area, that insole can help relieve that or give support where necessary so that you can do more things when you're running without discomfort. So it's very, very important to make sure that you get fitted either to place like Ishmael recommended, or even if you were going to see one of our therapists, right. Or someone like me to help you kind of figure out what kind of foot you have. 
Um, and by doing so, you'll be better prepared for the training you'll be doing, especially for those long runs whenever they start to show up. So I appreciate those tips, Ish. Well done. Hey, um, can you talk about gait? What, what is gait? Yeah, so the whole gait cycle is pretty simple. It's basically the way that your foot hits the ground, um, whether you're walking or running. And there's a heel strike, um, basically to a foot flat, a push off, right? And then a toe off. And that cycle continues um, as you walk. But as you run, that cycle gets more intense because there's more compression forces happening on the ground. There's more uh, rotary forces and torque happening when you're running. So the pressure when you hit that heel on the ground increases um, as the velocity increases. And that's why it's so important to make sure you have good shoes so that the pressure that are going through your foot, if they can be absorbed with good footwear, it makes it world of a difference. Usually, most sneakers have a, a shell life of maybe 250 to 500 miles, depending on the shoe, right? The, the higher or the faster shoes you may see for racing have a, a, a smaller shelf life because, again, you wear them and they don't last as long as the other endurance sneakers. But every shoe has a shell life, right? So when people talk about um, hip pain and knee pain and foot pain, it's usually because their shoes are done. You've already worn out all of the bounce and tread in a shoe. The same way you have tires, right, for cars. Mm -hmm. Those tires at some point in time also can be done if there's too much wear and tear. So think of it the same way. So making sure that you kind of map or trail or track your mileage for sneakers is a great way to make sure that you're ready for the next pair whenever you are. And most apps, which we'll get into for training or tracking, will allow you to um, track how many miles you have per shoe that you wear. And if you're a really smart runner, as you go do these things, you'll know that you put a certain number of miles in for a certain shoe. And that shoe is now something you can either rock to work or, you know, rock in the backyard, but it's time for a new pair at some right. point. Well, let me also add that when you, uh, when you first get those shoes, you, you know, you could kind of cushion them and be like, oh, wow, they feel cushy. That's normally not a, a, a reason to get the shoe. Um, so stay away from that. Once again, get on the treadmill. Um, one of the things Sean said was, you know, um, the 250, 300 mile uh, to 500 mile guide as your principal. Um, once you get into this running game, you're going to stick to the 250. The itch to replace the shoes will come strong and you'll just be like, oh, that's a nice new color. And you will be replacing those just strictly to replace them. Yeah, <laughs> <Let> me, <laughs> resist that itch because uh, yes. <laughs> then it's a wrap. Then it's a wrap. So yeah, like I was saying earlier, you know, there are some apps that people use that um, do track your your running clearly, but they also give you a chance to put in what shoes you're wearing. And there are a number of apps like Strava and others that you can actually go on there every time we do a run or a race or even a workout. You can click with shoes that you actually wore during that workout, so that it will let you know at some point in time. You've accumulated a certain number of miles for this shoe or that shoe. Ish, can you talk to us as an IT guy about some of the devices that people can use to use these apps appropriately? I know there are a number like Fitbit, Garmin, and uh, Polar, and Apple Watch. So um, just give us the background on some of the things people should be at least looking into if they haven't already, if they want to get into this running game. This thing is your best friend. Um, this phone of what used to be a computer uh, when we were younger is now a phone. Um, and it does way too many things uh, to help runners, fitness, 
um, lots of people to kind of track the things that they do. Um, also, this nice little watch that we all use in some sort of way um, is not digital for a reason. Um, it's digital because it does a whole lot of things within it uh, to make sure that runners could kind of track their workouts. Now, let's not get into what's a serious watch, what's not. Let's more get into um, what do you need as a basis. So all Spartan Sunday runners are asked to join to uh, Strava, um, strava.com. And you create an account there. Uh, you can link an app to your phone and you can link an app to your watch. So uh, let me kind of explain what the phone and the watch do. The phone and the watch have something called the GPS, uh, Global Positioning System. And what it does is it basically connects to a satellite up in the sky and says that tiny dot down on Earth moved from here to there in an estimated time, right? So what your phone does, your watch also does. So uh, let me talk a little bit about that. So in the, we'll call them the olden days, four or five years ago, um, the, the phone did most of the work. And for runners back in those days, they would always complain that their batteries would go. You know, I, I couldn't finish my marathon or I finished my marathon, but I didn't officially track it because my phone died, right? Um, what would happen was, what would happen is that the phone would be doing all the work and the phone would constantly ping up to the satellite to say, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Um, one of the great inventions was the watch. The watch actually took the place of the phone to get that done. So the watch said, hey, you don't need the phone to do that. I can do it for you. Um, in early iterations, the watch used to tell the phone, hey, we're moving. Can you go tell that satellite we moved? And that would still cause your, your battery to go down quickly. Newer iterations now to present day, the watch does that on its own. All right. So your phone stays alive for a longer period of time. Your watch can handle that, what we call pinging, um, to the GPS satellite in a quicker time. And therefore, we can see small bits now. We can see up to 25 feet. We can see up to 50 feet. We can see up to 100 feet of how fast that you work. Strava actually takes that information and kind of creates, uh, I'm trying not to get nerdy, it creates a database of calculating points with times. So it basically says, hey, five feet to 10 feet took this long. 10 feet to 25 feet took this long. 25 feet to a mile took that long. So I, I think, or I believe as accurate as I can, it took you this long to get that mile done, right? Um, and not for nothing, they've been true to life. Once you sign up for a race, you can compare your Strava, which most people do, to their race time. And Strava is plus or minus within five seconds or so. Um, and as you, as, you, as you run these races more, you'll notice that there will be some interruption because you're competing for that same satellite with 25,000 people. So, you know, you just have to kind of say, start, start running, let it go. Um, so uh, that's kind of the, the best smart device that you can get. 
Strava, I always recommend. There are other apps out there, Runtastic, Garmin, Wahoo, um, Adidas has an app, Under Armour has an app. All the big boys have an app, the Nike app, which we love. Shout out, shout out to the swoosh. Um, and, you know, you can pick your flavor. What I like about Strava is that it's the most widely accepted. Actually, marathon companies refer to Strava. If you have, let's say you have an error. Um, let's say by mistake, you took the wrong turn and you were half hour later you know, um, and you put an error report to a marathon and say, hey, you know, I actually finished and I did the wrong thing, but I finished properly. Um, you can actually submit that report to the marathon and they'll look at it, they'll analyze it and they'll say, okay, this is a legitimate finish and you will be awarded. So if you have any type of uh, difference or or situation that you need to file a claim for, Strava is kind of like, you know, the, the basis to get that done. Incredible. We've come such a long way in technology for this thing. And I got to say, you know, I, I come from the world of when I was running back in high school and college, I mean, it was all handheld timers. And uh, you didn't really know how fast you were running. You didn't really know how long you were running, even for training runs, you would just go out there and you know, I, I would guesstimate, oh, I, I think I ran three miles today. I think I ran four miles today. And you sometimes you would drive your car. <laughs> I've done this. You would drive your car from point A to point B and look at your speedometer and see, you know, with mm -hmm. the mileage or, or the, the mileage reader and see how far you actually drove and then use that as a training point. But nowadays, literally, like you said, we can go out there and press a little small button and you can literally know how fast and how far you've been running. So it's amazing that we have this technology. And I will say that using that, to your advantage is the best thing to do because training always comes down to looking at your analysis, seeing what you did, checking out your pace, checking out your mouse splits, checking out your, your distance runs and how you've been training and using that information along with the mileage from your runs for your sneakers to really put together a cohesive report or plan mm -hmm. for how mm -hmm. you're going to train for these big races come down the line. So using all these things to your advantage will make you a better runner in the future and um, I appreciate your, your tips for sharing that. It's well done. Go ahead. Let me just also say there's a fine line between falling into um, the crutch of using the app. Like, and, and I just want to, you know, let's say the pitfall, you know, it's, it's not all. It's not an end all and be all. You know, you still need, you know, um, motivation or critique um, from two eyes. You know, yeah, the numbers don't lie. I'm not going to say that they don't. Math is math, right? But at the same time, you know, you want someone who can visually say, hey, that, that looks like a 12-minute mile. But I think you can do these things to get even better. And, you know, we, we always recommend that, you know, if, if you can, you know, try to get a, some type of coaching if possible. Um, if you feel that you've hit a threshold that, like, I want to get better than this. And, you know, I know Strava, you're consistent on Strava and you want to kind of break that consistency and get through, a, get through to another level. You want to level up, we'll call it, um, or you want to hit that star in Mario, you know, look for, um, look for a coach, you know, um, and luckily we got that guy right there to kind of get us going.
No, that's a good point, Ish. I think a lot of people, like you said, kind of fall into the pitfalls of just relying on these things. But there's certain things that you just can't really gauge from the apps. Um, although these apps and these smartwatches do check your, your breathing and your cadence, you know, breathing is something that's very, very important. And, you know, as a PT, we talk about something called diaphragmatic breathing. Um, it's basically the way that we should be breathing all the time, but it gets a little more emphasized when you do things like running. Um, a lot of us have become, as we've gotten older, chest breathers. And we breathe a lot from our upper portion of our chest. And even if you look at videos and movies and you look at cartoons, you know, people think about taking deep breaths, like a deep breath coming from your upper chest muscles, right? But in actuality, that puts a lot of stress on your neck, a lot of stress on uh, your chest, your shoulder, etc. A lot of the breathing from your diaphragm should really be coming from your belly. And as your diaphragm goes up and down, right, to get air in and out, your belly should be going forward uh, to make sure that air can come in and push the diaphragm up and down. So chest breathing is not the ideal running scenario. It really should be diaphragmatic belly breathing. And, you know, when we're babies, we do this. Um, but as we get older and as stress builds in, we, we revert back to this or revert to this different style of breathing, which puts a lot of stress in our muscles. And the best way for us to really breathe, if you're trying to just think about breathing while you're running, should be training it properly. So in through the nose, so that the air can get good uh, uh, heat that comes from going through your circulatory system and then out through the mouth. Um, when you start breathing just in, in your in out through your mouth, it causes things to be a little more complicated. And to be honest, it's less control for you to do that. It's easier to relax your body if you are breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, breathing from your belly, letting the diaphragm do its work and allowing your body to literally go on autopilot the way it should be for these runs, training runs, races. When you start to stress out and get a little anxious, maybe it's because you're running by yourself, running your first race, um, running because it's cold or when it's too hot outside, that's when your body starts to do overwork. And that's the last thing you want to do when you're already pushing your body physically to have an issue with your breathing as well. So mm -hmm. the same way that we use gas as a way to make sure our car runs properly, we need air to make sure our bodies can run properly. So controlling your breathing is one of the first things I can probably say that everyone should at least start trying to do. If you are trying to go out there, thinking about a nice cadence for your breathing. And as I said, with the running and the, the gait cycle, basically from the whole foot, pl foot flat, um, loading response, sorry, heel strike, loading response, foot flat, heel off, toe off pattern, your running should be the same as your breathing. So some people do basically a four step running breathing pattern. So for instance, when I run, I basically take two steps and I breathe in. I take one, mm -hmm. two steps for my inhale and two steps for my, my exhalation, right? So one, two, one, two, in and out. For some people, it may be a little more than that. They may be breathing in every single step, right? And then out for every single step. Or for these elite athletes, right? They may be breathing in every four steps. One, two, three, four, inhalation. And then one, two, three, four, exhalation. So mm -hmm. the more you can train your body to make sure it's more relaxed, the same way if you watch them moving at home and you're very, very relaxed in that environment, that's how we should be. And you'll know if you can take more steps with less breath, that means that you're actually increasing your aerobic capacity. You're increasing your ability to go out there and do longer races and faster races because now your capacity for breathing is better. It's stronger. So just some tips to go out there and, and kind of play with it. Try to figure out if you're a breather who takes steps and breaths every two steps or four steps or every other step. But just the way that you can control your breathing, you control your breathing. Don't let your breathing control you. And that's the best advice I can give for that.
Yeah, no, that's definitely good advice to our first-time runners, too, because when they get to that first race, they're so hyped up of, I signed up for this, I see 10,000 people, and there's that, there's that uh, we call it the, the speed trap, you know, there's that tendency to say, they're gone, and I'm gone, too, and then, you know, they get past that first mile, and they feel like they've hit the wall already, and it's because they, they're so hyped up um that they basically like you said their their breath is really fast they're just um i don't want to say hyperventilating but they're just going all out because of the whole um atmosphere that they're in that they give it all too quickly and and the whole point of this whole pacing and this breathing and things like that is 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 to kind of just allow you to kind of settle in um i always tell my runners um you know, we always see runners like with their shoulders literally like super tense. And, you know, I always tap them on the shoulder. That's one way to do it. And then, you know, you kind of just tell them to kind of shake it out while you're running, shake out your arms. Um, that kind of allows them to settle down. So when you come, when you combine that with the breathing techniques, um, definitely like you have a long way to go and uh, take it little by little. Yep, absolutely. And those little techniques that you're talking about, we call those tactile cues. So reminding the body that this is not the ideal posture, right? Having your shoulders up, but relaxing those shoulders, using your arms properly, relaxing that head, and just reminding your body that breathing is okay. You know what to do. Um, those are all cues that we use in physical therapy as well. And they do work just to remind the body that it should be doing something else than it is inclined to do at that time. So yeah, those are all great. Um, I will say that as people... Um, are trying to get faster, they think if they breathe faster, they'll run faster. And that's not always the case. Um, you know, everyone wants to be fast, right? Everyone wants to run right. as fast as these marathon runners and these finishers. And, you know, the elites train a certain way because they want to get faster. But it's not always about breathing faster or even taking faster steps. You know, there are some science um, tips that we can talk about to work on getting faster. And if that's your goal, you know, getting faster is something that not everybody wants to do. Some people just want to just finish races, right? Just go out there and just be done with the race and get the medal and go home. But for some of you, you are looking to decrease your time to do things that you may have done in high school or college. Or if you're a first timer, you kind of want to see how far you can go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the best thing to do in terms of those things is to know your baseline, to know exactly where you are at the beginning. And most people do that with either a time mile run or they'll do what we call some pace runs. Now, there are a number of different terms I'm going to talk about quickly about just how we do these certain things. Um, you have pace runs. Where basically, you are running at a certain pace. And it's the same concept as, as, as a gait training or a gait cycle or a cadence. The same way a song has a certain beat to it or a cadence to it, we all have a certain pace that we run at. And this pace is a pace that you should be able to either maintain with a conversational uh, aspect to it or maintain so that you can do it over and over and over again. That's using your pace. Um, the best way to figure out what your pace is, is to go out there and, and run. And the great thing about these trackers is that it will give you your average pace per mile. Um, paces change every single time you do a certain run, whether it's a 5K or a 10K or a marathon, right? The pace is going to be somewhat different. Even the best marathoners don't go out there and run a mile with the same pace they'd run for a marathon, right? So everybody has a different pace. But the more you go out there and start doing these training runs, when I say training runs, I mean just going out there and getting your 
if the job is to go out there and run three miles for your group or for your, your coach or whatever, then to go out there and figure out what that feels like three miles. Three miles can feel like the worst thing in the world if you go too fast. And it can feel like you did nothing at all if you go too slow. So everyone's pace is going to be different. And the thing I will say, just like I say in therapy, you know, everyone's journey is different when it comes to therapy. Everyone's pace is different when it comes to running. So the only way for you to know your pace is to know your pace, to go out there and to try these runs. Um, most running clubs, like Spartan Sunday Running Club, will have a training session or a training time of the year where they'll do consistent or consecutive runs. And usually during those times, you'll figure out what pace you run at or what pace works best for you. Um, the best way to do that is to look at the results you may have from your tracker, whether it's on Strava or another platform, to see where your consistent miles have been for certain races. Um, for instance, if you go out in, in the task is to go out there and run five miles, if you run your five miles on your tracker and you check your Strava and you see your race pace was 930 for every single mile, then most likely your pace for five miles is going to be 930, which is great. Now you got to talk about how you felt when you did it. Was it excruciatingly exhausting? Were you almost dying at the end of it? Because that might not be your actual pace, your average pace. It might be you going a little faster than your average pace. So there are a lot of things you can talk about when it comes to pace in general, but just knowing how you feel as you're doing certain distances, is the best place to go when you're talking about pacing. And if you're talking about getting faster, it's basically trying to figure out what that baseline is for you and then elevating it with a variety of things. You know, running is one of the things that we talk about in this podcast, but you just can't get faster by running. You have to do cross training. You have to work on stretching and mobility. You have to work on a number of other things just to make sure that as you go out there and you do run, you're running at the best capacity. So getting faster is one thing by doing, you know, dynamic drills and plyometrics we talked about in, in the past shows and, and strengthening and, and other things to work on speed. But also working on your strengthening is another thing. The worst thing I've ever seen for runners is that, you know, a lot of us go out there and we want to run a thousand times during the week, but there's no cross training. We're not working on our strengthening for our muscles. And all these races require strength to get these things done. You know, runners have, most runners, you think about the long distance runners have the smallest legs because we mm-hmm. don't really work on the strengthening. But who has the biggest muscles when it comes to quads and hamstrings? It's usually cyclists. Yeah. Because the resistance for that bike is the strength training that you need to do certain things. So finding that middle ground between strength training and running is the best formula, I believe, to make sure you can go out there and not just not get hurt, but go out there and just get faster in the intro. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll say to all my turtles, I hope they listen to that because, um, you know, there's, there's various types of runs that you could do. And I think uh, in the past few years, we've, kind of gotten used to doing a certain type of run and one of the things that um we did actually in our last workout which uh you could you did with us was um we did a speed session um you know special plug to your thursday speed sessions early in the morning that you conduct if you can make it at 5 30 a.m yes it's 5 30 a.m but you know you can get that out the way but we actually did one on a sunday uh, this past Sunday, and you can tell the runners that don't make the 5:30, they really uh, like they learned to to quote Kevin Hart. They they learned, you know, that day. Um, but you know, I, I kind of feel like you know you don't want to stay stagnant. You kind of know what a certain pace is, and going back to these smart devices, they will yell at you. 
the smart device will say, hey, guy, you're doing the same pace every mile. So, you know, maybe that's part of your workout or maybe you need to listen to that smart device and that coach saying, hey, it's time to turn up the heat and it's time to go a little bit faster. So um, don't be afraid of the feedback. And especially my turtles, it's time to turn it up for, for 2022. Um, this was all great advice in this section that you just did. Awesome. Another question that people have mentioned to both of us actually is what should I be eating before, after, and during a race? And, you know, I, I think it also comes down to, we could even say race slash training, because yeah. part of the issue that most people experience is that they do whatever they want during the week, right? Whether they're running or eating whatever else, then a race comes and all of a sudden they'll know what to eat. Usually right. the way the body works is whatever you eat during the week, you should be doing that same thing for a race. And if you're someone who, you know, you know, wake up at five in the morning um, and you eat five in the morning, then I would continue to do that same regimen. If you don't eat at five in the morning, then I would not start that regimen. You know what I'm saying? But everything that you do during the week should pretty much be the same or synonymous with whatever you're doing for race day. Um, but in talking about race day, depending on the race, there are certain things that you will need to help get through that day. Because if you're talking about doing a race that's four hours, you may need some nutrients during that race or even before the race or after the race to make sure you replenish. So, you know, there are a number of things that we've talked about on this show in terms of nutrients, um, making sure that you can get your fruits and vegetables and your hydration in earlier is always great. We talked about make sure we have our body weight in ounces of water um, throughout the week in preparation for these races. But even for your training months, you should be drinking water pretty much every single day to make sure that you're prepared for your training runs and your training workouts. So hydration is just one thing, right? Getting your water in is, is a constant. Half your body weight analysis is a constant. Got to get those things done. When it comes it's to not easy. It's not easy at all. No, it's definitely challenging, especially if you're, you know, I mean, I used to say, you know, if your home is easier, but I can't even say that. Being home, I think, is sometimes harder because, you know, there's no interaction and you can sometimes just be sitting there for hours not recognizing that you haven't moved, you haven't taken a swig of any water yet. So it's challenging in, in all regards, whether you're at home or if you're at work. But I do think that trying to implement into your life to some capacity is necessary. Um, what are you going to say? On, on the home front, I mean, the fridge is right there. You know, you can, you, you can get the reverse. You can actually, you know, get to the point where the fridge is, is right there. You know what? I'm going to get that thing and maybe you get it too much you know, as opposed to too little, um, you, you, you can pretty much not only get water and end up getting a sandwich. So it could be, you know, it, it could be both ways. So um, it's a very fine line, like what you were saying before. I mean, you know, we, we're all coming, I would like to say out of the pandemic, right? And we've all talked about that COVID-10, right? And, you know, part of that was that you were at home and you didn't need to go to the corner store because, the fridge was full because you always saw the fridge and what you did at work that was only maybe once or twice a day, you were doing at home three or four or five times a day because it was like 15 feet away or in some cases, 100 feet away. So, you know, um, it could be easy and in certain cases, even harder to resist. That's true. That's true. So yeah, having anything like he talked about um, in the morning is great. You know, most people uh, have some kind of a fruit, some kind of a protein or some kind of a sustenance um, to sustain you during that race, right? Oatmeal, um, 
anything that's going to be able to at least get you through those races. And again, if you're someone who does not do those things before a race, I wouldn't start. Um, there are some people who do, to take nothing before races. And when they do, it throws them off. So I would stick to whatever your regimen has been throughout the week and apply that. Now, during the race is different because now we're talking about hydration. We're talking about gel pack, we're talking about jelly, we're talking about uh, uh, things that you may be drinking, whether they're water or, um, you know, uh, supplement induced, or electrolyte induced. Those things can be different. Mustard packets and all those things. Make sure you don't cramp. Those are different. Um, but, you know, everyone's different for those things. And to be honest, the best way to go out there, and I've talked about this as well on the show, is to go out there and see what's best for you. There are a number of products out there from a number of different companies, um, but everybody responds to those things differently. Some of you love caffeine. It helps you stimulate to get the races. For some of you, caffeine is the worst thing in the world because it helps you to not be uh, as active as you want to be. So knowing how your body responds to those things is going to be ideal. The only way to try that is to try that. So on your training runs, go out there and try all the things. Try the new products. Try the old products. Try drinking before a race. Try drinking during a race. See how your belly feels. See how your body feels. And in the training process, you'll be able to know, look, I can't have that. Or I can have that at mile 10. Or I can have this at mile 2. Because your body is different than my body, which is different than Ishmael's body. So everyone's going to be a little different in terms of those things. But you won't ever know how different it is until you go out there and try those things. For recovery, it's all the same. You want to get as many nutrients into your body as possible because you flesh so many things out, right? You want to get some carbohydrates in there because you need some sustenance for all the calories you just burned. And anything else recovery-wise eat is all gain. You earn that race. So, you know, you can go out there and have that one cheat day if you want to after a race. But then recognize that, you know, the next day is back to the grind. So turkey, bacon, egg and cheese. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, seriously, um, we have runners that like, I mean, I've heard like cuckoo and flying fish at three in the morning and I don't know how they do it. Um, and there are runners just like me that we literally have agua or water and uh that's it so everybody has their own system i could kind of tell you quickly my system you know uh have a good meal the night before early like you know six o'clock seven o'clock um let that digest through the night you're not snacking you're just drinking water for the evening um and then whenever you wake up usually these races start early so you wake up at like you know 5 a.m and then we have like the Spartan pickup, you know, have your vitamins and whatever. Um, and, you know, once we get to our meeting location for the race, you could either have a gel right there, you know, right before you get into your corral, um, just to kind of with some water, just to kind of let it settle in. Um, and by the time you get ready, let's say 30 minutes before race time, you know, you should do your warm up and, and have everything in your body ready to go. Um, we even talk about the other things and I'm just going to put this out there. It's OK. Go to the bathroom before the race. You know, um, we, we get that a lot. It's like our new runners, our new runners. You need to know that your body is not used to all of that bouncing in your tummy. When you're running distances, your body's like, what's going on? So, you know, get that out before the race because you do not want to be there during the race. And I'm not trying to sound bad, but it's an experience to be out there and get that need to go to 
to, to step away, you know? So, um, once again, this is part of the learning experience for new runners. You're going to learn about yourself at the same time as learning about how this works. So, um, you know, uh, do what you got to do. I don't recommend the whole, uh, you know, breadfruit and all that stuff in the morning. That's not my thing, but to each his own. Yeah, I agree. I think we're on the same page when it comes to having a big meal the night before, some kind of carbo loading that should last you at least to the next day, and then incorporating the hydration component to it. Again, the more you hydrate during the week, the less you have to actually consume that morning because everything that you need for your muscles to really expand and be as effective as you want them to be happens really during the week. So if you're hydrated that night before, right, and your urine is already clear, you're good to go. And right. usually by the time the race comes, you can get all out of your systems so that when you get to that start race, you're good to go. The last thing you want to do is, is be on the, on the start of that race and have to get to a porta potty or be nervous about anxious about trying to figure out where to do those things. There are porta potties everywhere, so it works. But you know, one less thing off off your list of concerns if you if you follow this 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 protocol. So, and we're not talking about marathon because that's a whole different level of getting ready for it. We're talking about like just general, um, broad topic of how to get ready for in terms of food and how to get ready for race day. You know, if you want a marathon convo, um, you know, that's going to require a lot more discipline. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And another question people have asked me, Ishmael, and, and I'm sure you got this as well, is that, you know, there are differences between um, running on the track, um, running on the hills, um, you know, running on the road, um, you know, long run versus tempo run. There's so many questions about all these different things. And we are looking at running patterns or running programs. A lot of terminology talks about go for a, a long run, go for a tempo run, right? Make sure you do some hill repeats and now do some track workouts. And for a novice runner or a new runner, these all sound like novice things, right? They've never heard these, these comments before. Um, but Brand new dictionary, man. You want to talk about that? Like, let me know. I want to get faster, right? That's everybody wants to get faster. But then what are all these things, you know, that all these like seasoned runners be talking about, about long run and tempo and, you know, uh, marathon pace and 5K pace? Like what are all those things about? Right, exactly. So tempo runs are basically a run that you're doing at a tempo. I think it's, it's not a slow run where you're kind of just at a computational pace and it's not a sprint, but it's basically that the, the run that you would do that's a little slower than your race pace. Um, it's a run that you should be able to do without any supreme exertion, but a run that should challenge your body, right? And if there are no breaks or no stops, you, you getting that run in and getting it done at a certain tempo that is consistent with uh, or analogous with your race pace, um, but can be a little slower than your race pace, right? So I'm not going all out. You're not going all out, but you're not just chilling. You're out there making sure that you get some exertion in for that for that run. Um, most long runs are going to be you just getting that work in. It's not even about you going for time. If the goal for that day is to get 18 miles in or to get 10 miles in, it's just to get that thing done. It has nothing to do with how you're feeling. No one cares about how fast you're going. Just get those miles in, clock it in, clock in, and clock out, right? Um, for your pace runs, they're similar to tempo runs, but again, you're aiming to hit at a certain pace. So if you know that you want to run a 5K, 
for nine minutes. You're going to go out there and run or try to run nine minutes for a 5K. And it's basically a pace run, um, very similar to a tempo run. But most tempo runs aren't going to be analogous with a, a time per se. Um, they're just trying to get you to run at a, a time for a certain period, but not the whole thing. So, for instance, if I said we're going to do a tempo run for six miles, you may go out there and pace yourself or run a pace run for four of those miles and then kind of kick it down a notch to a slower tempo for the last two miles. That's basically mm-hmm. a tempo run, right? So you're kind of combining the pace that you have or you want to get to, but also incorporating a tempo graduation uh, for the rest of those miles with the hope that you can build yourself up to hold that tempo for six miles at some point in time, right? Mm-hmm. The, the whole point of that is to make sure you can kind of build up your pace to can make it consistent for a longer period in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ways to do that are various. Some people do hill repeats and just that's you finding any hill you may have in your neighborhood and just going up and down that hill as many times as you can, as fast as you can. The good thing about hills is that if you can go up a hill fast, that will transfer to you doing a flat surface also fast. And most of these races, no matter where you are around the world, are not all flat, right? They change intensity. They change in terms of incline. So the best thing for you to do is to make sure your body is trained enough to be able to go up those inclines at some kind of a speed. So when you're going from a flat to an incline, your body can adjust naturally to those things. You can prepare yourself to be able to maintain your pace or your tempo, whether you're on flat surfaces or whether you have an incline. So Um, what about when you go to Planet Fitness and you see the people with with the incline set to high and they're just walking? Yeah. So, you know, I I will say that I have to shout that out because it's like I see those and like beginning runners, you know, they look at that and they go, I got to copy that. And that's not really a hill. That's not a hill repeat. Not a hill repeat. Definitely not a hill repeat. I would not even say it's a cardio anything, to be honest. That's more for endurance. And, you know, we're talking about strength. So that's a great glute workout. Right. Um, Which is fantastic. But no one's running up, like you just said, up that kind of a, of a steep hill or incline, unless you're outside doing those things or you have an industrial treadmill where you can actually go up and run up a, an incline of a sort. But those things are, are more for endurance, uh, stamina, if you will. I wouldn't say those are hill repeats at all. The only way to really get a hill repeat is to go on a hill and repeat that bad boy, bad girl, right? And you go out there and to really run at a pace that's going to target your cardiovascular capacity to be fatigued. Most people you're talking about on those treadmills, they're tired, but they're tired because, yes, walking up a hill and walking upstairs is fatiguing. So they're going to get some kind of exhaustion or exertion. But I wouldn't call that cardio base for running. That's more cardio for um, capacities to do other things and really to work on strengthening. If you're talking about the glutes taxing themselves for a long period of time. Like the Stairmaster, right? It's a great workout mm-hmm. for most things. I would call that more cross-training or as opposed to like um, hill repeat training. Hill repeats is you trying to maintain a pace mm-hmm. and maintain that pace with the hill as a challenge to maintain that pace with. You can't get that if you're just doing a Stairmaster or even doing a treadmill run like that in the gym. You won't get that kind of result. One of the things about the hill repeats that you, you have mentioned before is um, – that doesn't mean that after you're done up the hill, you should like leisurely walk back down the hill. Like some people, they go on tour on the way down and they check out birds and things like that. And then they start running again. Um, that means, you know, in your case, 
you should kind of do a light jog on the way down, correct? Right. The light jog is basically your recovery. You want to make sure that you're at least recovered enough so when you get back to the base of the hill, you can attack the hill again with full strength, full capacity, um, back to how you were when you started that first hill repeat. And if you're walking down the hill, that's not really an active recovery. It's a passive recovery. You'll, you'll recover, but the best thing you want to do is really let your body work to recover easier. Because when you run these races, yeah, you'll have uphills and downhills. And during the downhill for a race, it's also your time to do an active recovery because hills are tough. But it's always going to be a downhill, and that should be your time to regather yourself so that when you get back into your race mode throughout the rest of the race, you have enough energy to get through these things. Last thing you want to do is run these races and you hit, you hit a hill and then you're done for the whole race. That hill should not kick out your race completely. It should challenge you, but you should be able to bounce back and get back to your regular race pace or your tempo run after you recover coming either off that hill or a couple minutes after that hill. Okay. So you mentioned long run, tempo run, hill repeats. Um, you know, one of the things that you, you didn't mention was the track. Like what kind of things are done in the track? The track runs are great. Um, not just for your joints, because again, it's, it's cushion. And it's not the reactive forces of the concrete that you're battling with, but it's actually a soft surface, which is great. I think everyone should be on track at least once a week to just to replenish and allow the joints to, have a break. But track runs are great because you can really work on those tempo runs that we talked about before. Whether you're doing repeat 400s, repeat 300s, repeat 2s, repeat 8s, repeat miles, right? You have a certain number or a certain distance that you know you're tracking. And that distance, because it's a closed circuit, you can really push yourself in ways that you might not be able to do so on a long run on the street because you've got stoplights and you got people on the street and you got things that are distracting. But on a closed circuit, you can really hit those times without distractions. And again, your trackers will track those things a little easier because, again, it's in one area. So I love track workouts. I love the track work because it does bring to light all the speed work that we can apply to the races. And it does give you a chance to really see kind of what you're made of. Um, when it comes to really pushing yourself for the longer runs, you'll be able to really see what you can do on the track should carry over to these races if you're doing the right, the right stuff. Right. As a bigger guy too, myself, um, uh, I, I have no problem saying I hate the track, but um, I do see the benefits, you know, um, less on the joints. That's the number one thing. Um, us Clydesdales, we, we run funky. We're not the most um, coordinated runners. You know, we, we kind of clop and plop around as opposed to you guys look like gazelles and like the whole natural hopping, you know, all, all the way out there. We, we all look funky and messed up, but still, you know, we, we get it done. And, and like you said, you know, no matter how big or small you are, you know, when you're on the track, you know, I don't want to say everybody's equal, but I could still see you. I could see you on the other side of that track, or I could look at you and, and kind of like motivate you and keep you going. So, um, you know, you can't run away either. That's that's kind of a thing on the track, too, I've noticed, because even when I'm slowing down, you could see me on the turn and be like, hey. And, you know, that's my alert to start, you know, keeping it moving. So there's a big accountability on the track as well. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. We got two more questions, Ish, and I'm going to answer one. I'm going to have you answer the last one. 
Um, oh, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question though, because it's like you know, um, you did all this work. You ran all these races. You know, you're doing all this training, and you just get in the car and go home. Right. You know, and and that's 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 the biggest thing. You know, there's there's this portion that all of us people, all of us forget because we we live such busy lives. Uh, and it's called recovery. You know, I have two kids. You have a kid. Um, we're, we're both married. And uh, shout out to Mother's Day coming up. And, um, you know, we got to live our regular lives, too. So it's like, you know, this hidden thing that you have to kind of maneuver called recovery. What is that? How do you do it? True. So, yeah, I think the big thing with this is that a lot of people get caught in the hype of running the race, finishing the race, right? And like you said, they want to go home. But usually, delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS, kicks in 24 to 48 hours after you've done a race, after a workout. So although you may feel all the endorphins of running the race, right, that runner's high, you feel so great, you're, you're on cloud nine, slowly but surely, you know, as that day progresses, that night progresses, that soreness will kick in. And you're reminded of that race that you did run or the workout that you did experience. Mm -hmm. So this becomes an ongoing thing if you don't take care of it early. And that's when people start to see me because now they have aches and pains from things that should never have been an issue, right? Best way to do recovery is to make sure you listen to your body. Um, a good warm-up is always great to do before a race and a good cool down after a race. So, you know, for some races, you should be doing a warm-up whether it's running a mile or two even before the race and people say why would i even do that like what's the whole point of me running more miles before a race starts well your body needs to get warmed up the same way you go into your car and you start that car and let the car warm for a little bit right no one just gets in the car and just takes off you give your car some time to warm up your body needs that as well so doing a warm-up before a race is the same concept people get hurt when they don't do those kind of things they just kind of go out there and you say you know what i got this and just hop on the track we're not 19. We're not 17 years old anymore. We have to do these things to make sure that we can go out there and get through the race. So after, it's the same concept. Lactic acid in the body, right? Muscle soreness, muscle fatigue, swelling, inflammation. All that stuff needs to seep out of our bodies. And the best way to do that is to get some kind of a cool down, maybe even a half mile or a mile cool down. That's why most of these races, they make you walk for a certain distance to make sure you can kind of get your body through that system and through that phase. Because if we all wanted to stop, we would. But we know that we have to keep moving to get past that. So doing any kind of cool down is going to be great. Hot showers is going to be great. Uh, stretching is going to be great. Getting the hydration in is going to be great. Some people, if they have those compression boots or if you don't have those things as well, you put your feet on the wall and let gravity see all of the lactic acid and swelling back to your lymphatic system that you will sometime throughout that night either pee out or get out of your system to recover. And then the next day, or even the same night, Active recovery, either foam rolling or using the stick or using your Theragun or your Yaber or your whatever you have right now to use, right? To make sure that you can get those muscles to recover to some extent. And then doing, an, again, either a workout the next day or a recovery run the day after, which is basically you go out there, and like I said earlier, running as slow as you want, but just getting the body to remember that, look, I know how to move. Let me stretch out the muscles a little bit, whether you're on a bike or a treadmill or elliptical or outside doing a run on the track, a recovery run for a couple of minutes is great to make sure that when you do get back on the track, do your next workout for the next race, 
you're ready to do that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would say this is the, the hardest thing to do. Uh, the discipline re regarding this is actually, in some cases, harder than the training um, because, you know, you ran all out and you still have your life, you know, so um, you, you still got to get things done. What I tell all my runners is um, ran, shower, stretch, watching, whatever. I mean, I'm a sports guy. You know, watch if, if it's football Sunday, you know, watch that game on the floor while you're stretching. Um, if it's uh, for the ladies out there, y'all watching the reality shows, perfect time to stretch, you know, while, while you're watching them shows. Um, binge watching, binge watch during them shows, you know, try to find the opportunities to, to make it happen. When the kids go to sleep and you want to turn on that TV to veg out, that's your time to stretch. Um, you know, technology has also made it very inexpensive to get recovery gear. You know, um, Sean mentioned the Theragun. There are a lot of Theragun-like devices out there. Um, their compression boots, we're not there yet. Okay. Um, and shout out to those who have it. You are balling. Um, but all of those other, uh, things, there's compression socks that kind of do the same thing as compression boots for a tiny fraction of the cost. Um, uh, Theragun, the stick, there is something really called the stick and it has been proven in cycling, which is where I learned about a lot of my stuff um, prior to running, uh, prior to Spartan races. The stick has lived on forever. Um, you know, you can, you can get something called the stick, foam rolling. Foam rolling is inexpensive. You can go to five below and get a foam roller and, and apply that. Foam rolling hurts, but, you know, a lot of people say it hurts so good. Um, but you have to go through these things to supplement the efforts that you made. Your body paid for all these efforts. You need to pay it back with the recovery. Absolutely. And that's it. Again, uh, Yaber is the one that's online. It's about $50. No, it's about $30. And they sell out pretty quickly. Um, but there are all kinds of different brands. Theragun, Hyperbolt. Um, yeah. They're, they're inexpensive now. So go out there and get your own mini one that you use. I have one that I use my, myself and it's, it's great. It just gets you ready for those recovery runs. And, um, you know, these are all great tips that, that, uh, that we're sharing with the people right now. And we've, we've come now full circle with all these different things, right? From the pace mm -hmm. runs and the training and the nutrition and the recovery and the smartwatches and the sneakers to wear and all these different things, right? But now that we are um, at the last question, the more important question is, how do you join? We talk about how you start, but how do you join a running club or a community like Spartan Sunday Running Club or any of the other urban running club groups or anyone who's trying to go out there and join to do a race? What do they, how do they do that kind of stuff? Right. Well, um, crew love. I mean, every crew has its own place and we recommend whatever crew fits you, fits you. You know, um, if you live uptown, and you can't make it to a Spartan Sunday Run Club event on a Sunday morning or on a Thursday morning, there is a crew like Harlem Run that does um, their own 
events that are actually closer to you. Um, we, we do not harbor any feelings. We basically want you to get into the sport and, you know, conquer your obstacle wherever it is. Um, so we recommend that you find that. So there's a couple of places that, you know, you can get into a running club or community. Um, Instagram is your best friend. You know, I, I know you on there for other things. You know, this is, this is to you not Sean, to you who is watching this. You are on Instagram for other things. They could be ratchet, they could be non-ratchet, but you're on Instagram. Go look at a run club. There are so many run clubs. Um, uh, there are a few places that are kind of like a hub for the run clubs in my experience. Um, so there's two large places, New York Roadrunners, um, which is the gatekeeper for the marathon. Uh, the New York City Marathon is through New York Roadrunners, and they have a page called Get Involved. And in the Get Involved page, there is a uh, run with a club section. And you can list all the run clubs that are there. You can list them by borough. You can list them by competitive, social, or, or training, um, and you can filter out, you know, where they reach you and, um, you know, pick, you know, email all of them and say, hey, what do you do? You know, they're, they're, you'd be surprised what run clubs do. Some run clubs go on artistic runs. Uh, shout out to Old Man Run Club and shout out to Snake Run. You know, that's what they do. They go to art galleries and they make art galleries their points of runs. Um, uh, uh, shout out to bridge runners. That's what they do. They run bridges, you know, uh, you, you know, um, what we do, we, we, we run Spartan races. We, we run Spartan races. We run Spartan events. We now do running. So, you know, we, everybody has their own niche. Harlem run, their niche is the appreciation and the movement of bringing back Harlem. Um, and, all its many features. So, you know, each running crew run for Chinatown, um, which is, I, this is AAPI month too, right? I uh, just want to make sure. And, you know, um, uh, AAPI Appreciation Month, run for Chinatown. Um, you know, support all your run crews. crews. They all have different niches. Um, I definitely recommend that you look in there and find a, a, a run crew that you can kind of join up with. If it's Spartan Sundays, hey, we're here with open arms. Um, if it's not, then it's okay as well. There's a, two other places, uh, New York City Runs, who just held the Brooklyn Half and Full Marathon a few weeks ago. Um, they actually have a run crew section as well, which we are part of and all of the run crews are part of. And um, for the insiders, besides Instagram, Reddit, is your biggest, um, one of the biggest run crew hubs out there. We get so many runners on Reddit. There is a Run NYC subreddit. There is a um, uh, running training subreddit. There is a physical therapy subreddit. There is uh, subreddits for everything in Reddit. And in the run NYC, we always get people saying, hey, you know, I'm new to the city. I live, I moved to this neighborhood. 
Is there any runners that uh, can accommodate this neighborhood? Usually a representative from run crews will point you into certain crews for that neighborhood. So um, don't be afraid to go in there. Um, you know, don't be afraid to ask. That's the number one thing. You go to these races. Uh, there are a lot of introverted people, which we understand totally. But if you're looking for community, um, you know, there's a huge community out there and uh, there's tiered communities in terms of the competitive community, the urban run crews, which I kind of don't like that name because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, we're just, a, they're just run crews. Um, and um, there's also the social run crew, um, you know, so I, I recommend that, you know, just filter it out to your borough and see who fits and don't be afraid to email. Don't be afraid to ask. And uh, it's very, very pleasant out there. And you may, you may be right next to someone who represents a run crew when you're running. And you may be suffering with that person on that hill, right? And when you got up to that hill, you dapped them. And you're just like, good job getting up that hill. You want to know more about how they train? Don't be afraid to ask. Listen, it's just been great talking to you about all these different questions. And for all you runners out there, I hope you appreciate uh, the conversation. This is a great conversation for people who are just trying to get into the running. Or even if you're an intermediate runner, you're trying to go to the next level. These questions, we hope, were helpful for you and it's just tell our listeners where they can learn more about Spartan Sundays as you and I are co-founders, co-coaches. Uh, Co-everything. How they can find us. Yeah. How they can yeah. find us and learn more about us. Oh, definitely. So the Spartan Sundays Run Club is located in Brooklyn. Um, but we are worldwide. We go everywhere. You name a place, we go there. But we're based out of New York City. Um, we're based out of Brooklyn, New York. Um, shout out to the BK people. Um, uh, we're on Instagram, Spartan Sundays Run Club. Uh, you can email us at Spartan Sundays Run Club at gmail.com. We're on Facebook under the same thing. And uh, you want to conquer an obstacle, whatever obstacle that is, this is the place to go. And, uh, you know, you have two representatives here. Um, I am the overall hype man and leader of the turtle group. You know, all of those runners who just, trying to cross the finish line, but we trying to get them up a level. Um, you know, you can come my way. And if you want to get faster, stronger, and all of that stuff, you can go that way to that guy. Because he will set you up. He will put you on a training plan. He will put you on a really good regimen. And as long as you follow the instructions, you will see that those obstacles that you had, you're going to conquer them well. Awesome. Thanks, Ish, for joining me today. I appreciate you, as always, homie. You've done some great work. And uh, as we continue to grow, I hope we see more things happening for us as we go to Chicago and Berlin and Puerto Rico and everywhere else this year. Excited for the journey. Excited to work with you, as always. Yeah, Spartan Worldwide, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So... Folks, look at the quote from today, uh, the African proverb, to stumble is not to fail, but to move forward faster. Keep moving, folks. Uh, keep stumbling and recognize that your failures are not uh, um, faults. They're going to propel you forward. So keep moving. Go forward and keep going. As I would be more today is out there. Check out our site for our swag stuff, the book, the podcast, the uh, overall greatness of be more today when it comes to content. 
And check out my groups for Inside and Running Club on Instagram and Facebook. Join us. Subscribe to our pages. Subscribe to our uh, um, Strava group as well. And just be a part of the journey. As I always say, folks, if you have more questions for me or for my boy, Ishmael Torres, email at Spartan Sunday Running Club um, or me directly at DrShawn at BeMoreToday.com or any of our social media platforms as well. As I always say, have a good day, have a good night, have a great life and continue to take your steps of greatness to be the best version of you. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. But hold on. He forgot about the what does be more mean? What's going on? What does be more mean? What does be more mean to Spartan Sunday Run Club? You, tell you know me what, what be what more means? means? You know what be more means? We stumble forward, bro. We, 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 we fail or we don't go as fast. And then we decide we're going to be more and we're going to try to go faster. And we're trying to try to go stronger. And we're trying to go harder. And then it is May. And by the time we get to marathon season in the fall, we have become more. Okay? So um, that's what Be More Today means to the Spartan Sunday Run Club. And I can't believe he forgot to ask us this question. (laughs) I appreciate that. Listen, I think that uh, since you brought it up, I'm going to just say it now. So in August... We're going to be doing a 40 more challenge. And it's because we've been pushing ourselves to get to this limit. We started the year off being more today for 40 days from the beginning of January till mid-February. We had our Black Lives um, Matter run, which is great. But, you know, as the year goes on, we we get jaded. We have goals that we want to put out there that we kind of forget about. And we, we get into a, a rut of a system. So in August, you have some time to get your mind right. We're going to do 40 more days of fitness and it's going to be running it's going to be all running prepping us for the marathon season coming up so those of you who are going to chicago and berlin and nyc you're going to have 40 days of madness to get your money right get your mind right we're going to be doing 40 days on this podcast um giving you tidbits not just the 40 days before but 40 more days of encouragement of inspiration uh some more help tips some more kudos um, for you to go out there and just to make sure that you can be more today. And I'm grateful that, that, that Run Club is going to be with us for that journey. And anyone else who wants to join us for that journey, it's going to start on August 1st of this year. So spoiler alert, it's out there now. Let's he get it going. It. He Let's spoiled it. He it. And on top of that, that 40, we, we're not saying 40 more. We're saying 40 more. 40 more. <laughs> And you know what we're going to do with this 40 mode? It is going to coincide with long run season. So is I'm, I'm going to get a little Puerto Rican here. It's going to coincide with long run Sasson. And we're going to add Sasson to these long runs. We're going to group up with whoever feels that you can kind of like get your little groups together of speed. And we're going to get this Sasson sprinkled into these runs. We're going to run these marathon routes. We're going to suffer together. And when you do these long runs, you're going to log into that guy's site and you're going to put, I put this long run, it hurt. And it, but it's going to be part of 40 Mo, Mo, not more 40 Mo. That's it. I got to make sure I get my guy to change the graphic now, but uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> 
Ish, thanks for joining me at home. I really appreciate it. Anytime, bro. You know I'm here for you. That's it. All right, folks. Have a great week. Peace. why why do you want to be more today than you were yesterday you already know that you have to trust the process and just be persistent you already know that next level results require next level effort period but why is today different than any other day what's your why how are you going to get to the next level see most of you want to make it to the promised land of success but aren't willing to make the sacrifices let me be clear. Nobody said it was going to be easy. No handouts. No excuses. It's just you versus you. It's go time. Find your wife for the 5 a.m. wake-up call. Find your wife for the extra mile you have to do after the workout. Find your wife to face that fear. Take that test. Make that move. Come on, y'all. Your whole life has been a warm-up for this moment right here. Today. Are you finally ready to play? You gotta decide to stay always on the move. Less talk, more action. Just be better. Just be more. Be more today. Yeah.